Welcome on back to the Catch My Drift podcast. This is your host, Matt Kelmis, and today with me I have Tom Hemker, who is a retired Minnesota game warden. Well, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me out. We are, uh, it's middle of October right now. Things are just starting to ramp up here in terms of hunting and fishing, or all fishing, I guess, winding down a little bit more, but everybody's kind of getting excited, sharing trail camera pictures, looking at deer running around, chasing roosters, the ducks are starting to fly, so everybody's getting really excited. So I figured what uh, what a better time to have you on as a retired game warden in this area to kind of... Uh, make sure we're all playing by the rules. So thanks for having me out. Welcome to the show. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, it's <clears throat> middle of October. Um, I just unfortunately watched the last Twins game last night. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you tuned in at I all. I did, yeah. It was a bummer. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to go to the um, game three of the ALDS series. So my wife and I went there. My dad bought the whole season ticket, or not, he's a season ticket holder, so he has certain preferences. But he bought the whole uh, playoff line, so if they had gone to the World Series, I had you know, World Series tickets. My dad and I would have gone, but unfortunately, it was cut a little bit short out of our dreams. But you know, Houston's a really tough team. I right, it was fun while it lasted. And it was at least they got the uh, monkey off their back of of losing, 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 and that's uh, right postseason. That's yeah. right, and even just to watch minnesota go to houston and win one i mean right. man that's cool right there's such a i mean they're they're a play they're a postseason playoff baseball team houston is yeah they're just you know it seems like they're just made for it man boy they've got they've got some hitters yeah it's uh anybody on that team can right can put it in there yep. yeah even their little their little second baseman altuve yeah. i mean right. He's got to be what five six maybe. I mean, he's just and a, lots of excitement. The lot, guy yeah. is always wound up. He is, yeah, and good. I mean, he yeah. he's good. A good defensive yep. player. Really good batter. Yeah. I mean, I'm you know six feet tall and two hundred twenty pounds, and I can't hit one out of the park. No. I don't understand how somebody who's six feet tall can hit one out of the park uh, like that. But right, he yeah. does. Yeah, it's yeah. technique. He's good. Yep. Yep. So. Now that, you know, I'm, I'm a little glad that that season's done because now I can kind of get to my other true passion, hunting and fishing. So, right. And, um, and I know you're real passionate about this time of year too. I am. Yeah. Right. I don't know how you couldn't be as we, as we start to get these frosts the last couple of days. And if yeah. that doesn't get you excited with, with fall fishing, I, I still like fall fishing, but also getting the, uh, up in the tree stand a little bit. Yeah. Pheasant opens up this weekend. It'll yep. be exciting. And you think you'll get out for that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, uh, you know, with my job and, and recent retirement, I have, I haven't hunted a pheasant opener since I, for 33 years. Sure. Just, just, it wasn't something that I could do. So yep. Yep. That's going to be exciting. So you, um, you also just got back from Colorado, I understand. I did. And yeah. how was that? Wonderful. Uh, well, we, we didn't bring back elk and gosh, you know, not that you need to, to get an elk every time you go, but it would sure been fun to bring back, uh, some meat and, and mm-hmm. enjoy some, some elk steaks this winter. But, 
I went with my a buddy of mine that retired uh, about the same time as me, so we kind of had a little open end. We got to hunt for, we were gone 15 days, and we had opportunities and saw elk, had a wonderful hunt, but did not get the job done. We, mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't get an elk, either of us. It's tough, and you know, especially when you're on public land. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... Yep those elk have been pushed around by different people and right. you're pushing them around too. And it, it's, it's tough. You know, and a little history with us is, is my friend's name is Tyler. He and I have uh, went on this hunt since 95. We've each only missed one year. So we're talking a lot of, of hunting and a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, well, to be honest, a lot of real poor hunts. There were, there were times where we never heard or saw an elk. You know, which is gets to be a long five or six days of, of sleeping in a tent and not <laughs> sure does. not knowing if there's even any around. <clears throat> it kind of it kind of turns into more of a, a camping trip right. than it does a hunting yeah, trip. Right. Yeah. But this year we didn't. This year we had one day where we didn't see elk and so we saw elk. It might have been from a distance with binoculars, but we saw elk uh, every single day other than one. Okay. And we had them close. One morning we had uh so we went out wanting to shoot a bull. This is a three-preference point area that we've hunted. Uh, this was our third time in this area. So we know it a little bit, and, and we had uh, high expectations. So we wanted to get a bull, but the second week we said, well, a cow would, would be just fine. Mm-hmm. And we had four cows for 35 minutes uh, within 30 to 35 yards of wow. us. Yeah. Wow. And it just... It, it was, you know, my my uh, left arm or my left arm that holding the bow up was numb. My my right foot, I must have had it positioned incorrectly or something. It was also numb, and it was so exciting. It was a cold morning, so you're kind of shaky and yep. cold anyway. And you know that was that was a fun fun half hour plus. Oh wow! And we had that, and we had, I had uh, good bulls uh, at 25 yards. I had good bull at 20 yards through the woods. Uh, that my buddy had called in, both of them, and, you know, everything just right, except sooner or later you're going to get a wind, in this midday, so it wasn't a steady wind, yep. sooner or later you're going to get a wind to your back, and, and that's what happened, and, sure. and uh, yeah, we came back without, but had a great trip. Yep. It, it really doesn't take much for that wind to swirl, and they're, they're gone. Boy, I mean, you, it's, you got some steady wind currents in the morning and evening, yep. you know, some downdrafts, and during the day... So, you know, with if you get a minute or two of of good wind, you're lucky because yep. you're always going to get that. Uh, you're going to feel it on the back of your neck, and there's nothing worse than to have a a bull in shooting distance, and all of a sudden you feel that wind hit yep. the hit the hit your neck. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it sounds like you guys were into them. So it was. Cool. It was great. We we had a base camp which was a, a wall tent with a furnace and, and cots at uh, 10,000 feet. We had a spike camp at 11,000 feet, which was a tent and, and a pad and a sleeping bag. And then we went another step, and we went uh, to a bivy camp at 12,000 feet at the wow. tree line, above the tree line, because that's where we were seeing the elk. And we stayed there, I think, three nights. And uh, I think we only ended up one or two nights at base camp in, in the wall tent, so most of it was spent at Spike Camp, but 
boy, you know, just, just that is, mm-hmm. is worth the trip. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Well, it sounds like you didn't miss any stops. You pulled them all out. We did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's nothing like getting up at 20 degrees and putting wet boots on, <laughs> on the outside. The, right. the insides at least were dry, but that's good. You know, that, that takes, that takes a little out of you yeah. in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've put in, fro- I've put frozen boots on before yeah. too. And yeah. it, oh yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. Sweating all day in them. And then you, you know, you take them off at the end of the night and they freeze and yeah. Ugh, it's cold. And then it would take an hour or two for our water, you know, our, uh, what do you call water it? Water bladders. Yeah, yeah. The, the lines would be freeze up at night, mm-hmm. you know, so it would take a little bit in the morning oh. to, to get them to get water <laughs> in the morning. But did, it, you, did you guys get snowed on at all? Yeah. Yeah, we had three or four days of, of snow. Nothing were accumulated, but it was, we had some crappy weather for a couple days, you know, mm-hmm. which I guess helps appreciate the, the nice days. But we also had... Uh, almost all the days you hunted with a jacket on, you know, we didn't have that heat. If we would have got one, it would have sure been nice to hang, hang them because it was 20 degree in the twenties at night and and the days were 50 ish. Okay. You know, so you could have hung an elk for a couple days and we would have needed to where we were. Sure. If we would have killed them back, especially where, where we ended up. It would have taken days to, to get them out. If you you were to guess how far back from your base camp were you uh it took two hours to get to spike camp and then an hour to get to to bivy camp um but as far as miles you know what i, I don't know that i ever checked i would guess in that three to four as the crow flies mm-hmm. but it was pretty steep and there were not uh pack trails so okay yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't that you could just march down a trail yeah you know it was picking your way through the, the downfalls yep. yeah yeah Probably not as far as you think, and it, for me, it's like yeah, I, I I almost don't like to check because it's like gosh, we're only a mile and a half back right. here. It seems like eight miles back right. here. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a little deflating that way. But and I, and I've always got it in my mind, and I think a lot of us do that. By gosh, the the further I go in, the better the hunting is going to be. But there's always going to be somebody that's a little faster, stronger, or has a horse. Mm-hmm. And no matter you know, we've we've been back in seven plus on foot and run into hunters back there. Sure. So just because you're back in further doesn't necessarily you know increase your odds yep. any, i don't think and trying to w- outwalk a horse is a losing oh battle. my goodness yeah. yeah or they'll come in from the other way sure you know i've had that too you you think gosh i'm eight miles back you know this is going to be a great spot well somebody that knows the area found a way to get in and it was three miles from the where from yep. the trailhead they came in from. exactly yeah. exactly well that's cool um you know we're sitting here in your in your living room area here there's a couple dandy bulls. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Now, are are these both public land bulls? They are. Okay. And, and you say dandy, and I do appreciate that. But they, but they're they're very uh, they're they're nothing compared to what you would see at a sporting goods store or something like that. They were both. One of them was in a shot in an over the counter the area in Idaho, and that was my first one. That's the one over there. Okay. And that, uh, you know, to to look at it, the the memories of that that first bull that that we uh, were able to get is is was unbelievable and it's getting to be 20 you know plus years ago or or i would say 20 years ago no it's 20 plus but uh, on that one i got between two bugling bulls and uh was cow calling and this one came in from a third direction you talk about exciting i was by myself i i shot it at about 35 to 40 yards and it was an evening, went back the next morning to, to uh, find it, thought I had a good shot, 
and the blood was very little to, to nothing. And it was kind of, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to lose this thing. I know I am. So we tried to blood trail it, couldn't blood trail it. So we, we had, I think, five of us split up and, and searched for it. And sure enough, ended up finding it. And what had happened is I had a back hit. It was quartering away. And I got the uh, one lung on the backside okay. and no exit. So it wasn't a good blood trail right. animal. So it went from being so excited, I couldn't hardly stand it. My first bull, it finally worked. It, it, you know, here, I can't wait to, to get my hands on it to, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. I'm not going to find this bull and I, it's probably going to die and mm -hmm. I'm not going to you know, get my hands on it. And then we found it and like, holy cow. And then it was about 10 o'clock the next morning. Is the meat going to be okay? Sure. And it was just fine. As a matter of fact, I think it was aged at seven years old or something. Stayed overnight with the, with the guts in. And it was what I remember as being the best tasting bull I've ever eaten in my life. Okay. You know, you know, yeah. Just perfectly aged there on the mountain. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Huh? No, it was, cool. it was exciting. I'll never forget that day. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It, you definitely don't forget them. I oh. mean, it's every minute. Yeah, you right. Know? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, you know, the highs and the lows. You, you know, one minute you're shaking in sure. your boots thinking, oh, my gosh, it finally, like you yeah. said, it finally happened. We finally yeah. did it. And then the next minute you're like, oh, no, I, you know, we can't find him. There's no blood. It's, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. You know, did yeah. I hit him in the shoulder? Do, you know, it, everything happens so quick. Yep. Right. And, and, then I, and then I get pouty and think, oh, I don't want to hunt anymore. I can't believe this happened, you know, and, and, I, and then we ended up finding it. And, oh, my yep. gosh, that was great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Then to pack it out. And that, that one was deep in. That was, I bet that was four miles in. There was pack trail. But even so, it was warm enough that we had to put that one in uh, cheesecloth and then put it in plastic bags and put it in the creek mm -hmm. to, to cool it as we carried it out sure and we had a, a guy that was with us that was a, a bodybuilder and, and uh just a, a ox of a man and he said to load me up good so we we did but, <laughs> careful what you wish for well right and and you know we've all got weaknesses and his weakness was his feet and he ended up carrying out a lot uh tyler loaded him up i don't know what what he put in his pack more than i could have carried that's for sure and he his feet got all blistered okay. up carrying it out so he was you know worthless pretty much after that he could hardly walk yeah. so yeah it is torture i mean yeah you've heard it time and time again get a good set of boots oh my you goodness. know and, and make sure they're broke in right yeah yes and absolutely yep i always carry with me the stuff called luco tape and i've talked about it here on the podcast before you can get it on amazon it's like eight bucks a roll a giant roll of it yeah. but all it pretty much it's kind of like hockey tape it you know you put it on as soon as you get a hot spot Yes. Put it on your foot, yeah, or where your ankle, wherever your get toe, get in that hot spot, and yep. it just creates another another barrier. So right. your boots not rubbing on your 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 actual skin; it's rubbing on that luco tape. Sure, so then yep. it avoids a blister that way, and it works great. I've yep. used it every year I've elk hunted. Yeah, and I, I carry mole skin, which is maybe an old fashioned type yep. of thing, which you're talking about because I've carried it for twenty plus years. But uh, yep. yeah, that works also. But preparation, you know. Uh, walking with those boots all summer and then carrying a pack, you know, and, yep. and carrying it up and down the hills, not only for your feet, well, for everything, but, you know, uh, something that bothered me would be in my upper body from that pack pulling at my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to carry a pack some in the, in the summer getting ready to go elk hunting. Yep. Another, uh, we were talking a little bit about it too, just on here, um, 
you're also real passionate about pheasant hunting. You said you're going to get to be able to hunt the yeah. first pheasant opener. You just must like walking. Oh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, that is something that I was sitting in the, uh, I went deer hunting yesterday morning and I was sitting in the stand thinking, gosh, if this would be great if I could have my dog with me. Uh-huh. You know, that, that is one thing I do miss with, with bow hunting or, or hunting with, uh, hunting big game is I do like my dog. And I do like to, and, I, and I'm not a big duck hunter. I don't have the equipment to, to duck hunt. Um, so pheasant hunting is awfully, awfully fun to, to follow that dog around. And I happen, she's in her prime now. She's going to be six, um, or she is six. She will be seven. Um, so this should be another good year of, of pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. And I, I should probably whisper it so she doesn't hear it, but I'm going to pop. Um, I'm going to plan to have a pup after the first of the year oh, cool. to get ready for the the next couple of years. So as she starts to go downhill, which she will in the next couple, yep. I'll have a pup ready to go. Well, good deal. Yeah. Same, same kind of deal, a lab. Yep. Yeah. Tough yep. to get away from. I've them. had, yeah, I've had some pretty good luck with, with, uh, with black labs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You always go black or do you ever straight to yellow? I have. You know what I did change though a few years ago is I went to a female. Okay. I uh, always had males and I say always probably four or five. And I went to a female, uh, two dogs ago and she was the best dog I ever had. And I probably should whisper that. So Mia doesn't hear that either, but she was, she was one of those dogs that you dream about would just hunt till she couldn't stand up. And then I had, she had pups and I had kept a pup of hers and another male. And he was a bit of a knucklehead, <laughs> but he was a good hunting dog. So for, you know, the, the hunting season, four weeks of the year, yep. great dog, but the other 48 weeks of the year, he was miserable. Was he, was, he? he was a terrible pet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and then and I got this female. It's my second female. So I've just had good luck with females. So I probably will go with another sure. female black. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a female at home too. And she's six as well. Yeah. Um, I don't get out pheasant hunting as much, but when it went, when we do, she does fine. You yeah. know, she's a little bit slower, which is good for me. I, <laughs> yep. not, as, not as in good shape as some of the guys I hunt with, but Yep, and it's, there's something to that. And this this dog, that that dog that I was saying was so good, she I always had to have the the beeper in my hand because she was hunting for her, sure, the hunting fool, but she didn't care if I was twenty yards away or if I was sixty yards yep, away. Yep. So I would have to remind her beeper to to you know check in once in a while. Whereas this dog, that's not the case. Yep. This dog, I I could leave the the collar at home. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a true partnership, and yep. I think that's the coolest part about yeah. pheasant hunting is you're working together yeah. to achieve that goal and yeah. you know you can work together with another guy and you can communicate but there's you know that element is out of the equation with the dog yeah and you really got to learn how to read each other you really got to learn how to read the dog especially right. you know to figure out oh is she looking birdie yeah. you know or is she just kind of searching right now and you yeah. know Yep. And some dogs are birdie from the time they get out it, it's hard to tell yep. but yeah yep. most of us learn what are when when they are probably on one. Yeah. So you said you got plans to go out pheasant opener this, this coming weekend. I am. I'm going to hunt probably just in the Owatonna area, which I work that area. So I know it a little bit, just some public uh, property in that Owatonna area with my son-in-law this weekend. And then, uh, early next week, I'm going to shoot out, uh, uh, Southwest Minnesota. Okay. Spend a few days out there. Awesome. Yeah. Any other plans for the fall? Oh goodness. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm going to hunt pheasants quite a bit. I, okay. I'll hunt pheasants in, in Southwest Minnesota quite a bit. And then in South Dakota, 
probably North Dakota and Iowa. Yep. So I will, uh, I, I got to be careful to, to try to check in at the house here once in a while, but, but I do have big plans to, to spend some time in the pheasant fields. That's good. Yeah. You and Charlie and Randy taking a trip out like you do every year? I would hope. Yep. We, we've done that for several years. I would I would sure hope we can line something up again this year. And I, yeah. I'm a little more available this year than, than years past. So if those two can work something out, That's absolutely. Good. I know Charlie, he's always <clears throat> bragging about how much, uh, you know, his PTO is capping out. So he takes it, you know, so yeah. he shouldn't have any excuses. No, right. <laughs> yeah. If he can, again, get things lined up at home so that, yep. yeah, yep. yeah, that would yeah, be that's, fun. Yep. One of the more important parts is lining it up at home. It is. Yep. Yeah. 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 So do you, you know, you said this, you know, middle of October right now is pheasant opener. So that's yep. this coming weekend. Do you, you said you'll hunt obviously coming up. Yep. Do you stretch it out until late season when the snow's flying? I do. Yep. Yeah. And in years past, you know, when I was working, um, I, I couldn't hunt, you know, once in a while we could sneak out in October not November and then again late December or January is when I did most of my hunting okay you know this year like I said I'm, I'm a little more open but I still like that late season you know when there's when there's a lot of snow and it confines them a little bit more to the cattails mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about walking through cattails but I do get a kick out of it yeah yeah, yeah. I've done that too and you know when the snow's <clears throat> knee deep and you're yeah yeah trudging through the cattails it's tough but yeah you must just be a glutton for punishment, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I guess some people, some people's fun is looked at differently. That's yeah. very true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, spending spending a day out in the driving driving snow and wind isn't is, that fun? yeah when yeah. people would yeah just soon rather sit on the couch and watch TV. But yeah, yeah, we're all different. We are. Thankfully, yeah. somebody likes couch and TV, or we'd all or the pheasant marshes would all be full. I guess I, yeah. I say that. You know, with uh, with golfers too, and yeah, right. you know when it's fishing, you know, in yeah. the summer and spring. Yeah. Thank God for golfers because yeah. there's fewer, you know, fewer fishermen out here right. that way. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about the differences and what you've noticed between early season pheasant hunting and late season pheasant hunting. Well, I'm not a good. Uh, I don't know a lot about the early. You know, that's just something that years past I didn't. Like I said, I've never hunted an opener since i've been a game board for 33 years yeah yeah so i don't do a lot of hunting i i'm very anxious to not have big gloves on you know okay. for early to you know and, and the the clothes you have to wear for that late season sometimes gets a little bulky uh especially trying to uh, i don't have uh great circulation so trying to keep my hands warm of holding that gun you know yep. when when it's below zero or below freezing even yep i'm the same way yeah. yeah my hands are cold yeah and that makes such a difference with handling that gun it, being able to hit the safety and and, and even to shoulder it properly mm -hmm. yeah last, yep. last year i had some malfunctions with my with my uh satori and i'm guessing i wasn't shouldering it well it was rainy and, and cruddy out and it wasn't it wouldn't switch barrels okay and it probably wasn't seated into my into my shoulder like it needs to be so hopefully that won't be the case this year okay yeah hopefully not yeah um i guess what one thing you know i've noticed with pheasant hunting too is early and when it's early like this is you really got to try to find something that's not you know, with standing corn yet around too much. Sure. Because they spend a lot of time in the standing corn. I mean, it's great cover. You know, they oh, can't right. be seen from overhead. They got yep. places to run and hide. Yep. You know, all they got to do is, you know, jump a row over and they're hidden. 
Right. You know, yeah, that it'll be a little different, you know, and, and I did talk to a friend that lives in uh, the Southwest and he was saying that they, he figures their corn as of yesterday was about 40% out. Okay. You know, so it's, they're, they're going at it pretty good. Now we're going to get some rain for a few days, so there'll be some corn for a while, but right that those public properties or the, wherever you're going to hunt that where there's some corn out sure makes a big difference this time of year. Yeah. And, and, it, and of course, my favorite times to go are, are when the corn just comes out, you know, the, the grass around it, uh, that first that first ice that where you can walk on the on the ice, yep. you know, the, to be the first ones into the, into the marsh or into the cattails when you can just start walking on it. And unfortunately, sometimes that means putting a foot through once in a while yep. and, and trying to be careful with that, of course, and right. staying in, in shallow and shallow. Yeah, making sure it's not too deep. You know, you're not walking oh, right. across an open. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. just yeah. a recipe for disaster. But yeah, I feel like everybody who's walked through cattails has punched through a time yeah. or two. Yeah. But you know, even with the waterproof waterproof boots and you know wool socks, and usually that time you're all wear gaiters, you yeah. end up yes. staying decently dry. Right. You can yeah. quick hop out as try to pull know. it out as fast you can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. I've, I've even just noticed driving around here, people, you know, farmers are starting to get their corn off and it's, yeah. so it, sh- it should be all right. I think within the next couple of weeks. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And I'm just anxious to, to go walk in the grass. I guess if I don't get a pheasant, I, yep. I, I'll be just fine. Yep. Yeah. Well, you'll have fun with your dog too. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So you mentioned, um, you know, you were, you were talking, you haven't been able to hunt a pheasant opener cause you've been working. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your your job that you retired from. I guess when did you retire from your job? I retired in June. Okay, um, enjoying I, it so far? Oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been lucky to be able to have some go on some fun fishing trips, and and uh, yeah, it's it's been good. And and I haven't. I feel like I haven't done anything at my house for about twenty years. Yep. So I'm also trying to get some things done around here. But yeah, retirement is going well. Checking away on your honeydew list. Getting yeah, slowly <laughs> checking at it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started in uh, 1990 as a game warden in Indiana. I worked on there for four years, and then came to Minnesota and back to Minnesota in 1994 and, and worked uh, till till this year. So almost 33 years. I think I'm a couple months shy of of 33 years of of game wardening, and it was wonderful. I mean, I just. One, it went fast, and I think everybody's going to tell you that with their career. But that that job, um, it just there's no two days the same when you're dealing with with people yep. and dealing with wildlife, and in in many cases, um, mischief that goes with wildlife. There's just no two days that were the same, mm-hmm. and it was a uh, unbelievable. I, I I can't believe I got through life feeling like I never had to work a day. It was it was a wonderful career. Well, you're lucky. Yeah, that's cool. I am lucky. Yeah. So you grew up in this in the in the Winona area. Yeah. Did you always knew you wanted to be a game warden, or did you know you wanted to do something in the you outdoor know, world? As seniors in high school, we had to put on a piece of paper uh, what we th- where we thought we would be in ten or twenty years, or something like that. And and my wife found that, and sure enough, I had put my my dad had owned a garbage business in Winona, um, and I had. Put that I would be doing one of two things. I'd be game wardening or hauling garbage. Okay. You know, either working for dad or game wardening. And, and he ended up uh, selling that business, I, I think, in the late 80s or, or something like that. But, um, yeah. So early on, I, I wanted to be a game warden. Okay. And it, it uh, lined up. 
Now, the, the path I took was probably a little unusual, but to, to go to another state. I went to school in Wisconsin and got a degree in natural resources law enforcement. Okay. And then realized after, after four years that I couldn't even apply in Minnesota because you had to be uh, post-licensable. You had to have went to a Minnesota school oh. to apply in Minnesota. So, huh. you know, I, I didn't do my homework on that or I just never had found that out. So I ended up applying elsewhere, every other state almost, or, or started uh, down the list and ended up getting lucky enough to get hired in Southeast Indiana. And uh, went down there and had some great experiences, and I would have had no problem staying there for my whole career. But both my family and my wife's family were back in Minnesota, and we ended up eventually, in 94, applied back here and got lucky enough to get hired back in Minnesota. Nice. Yeah. And was that right in Winona? Because that's kind of where you're, the yep. majority of your career you took place was in the Winona it, area. Yes, a majority. Um, so I'm from Winona. I left Winona, graduated high school in Winona in 1986, left, and I came back here in 2003. So okay. my path in Minnesota, when I came back to Minnesota, I worked in the metro for a couple of years up in uh, West Hennepin County, mm-hmm. which for Winona people sounds like, why would you need a game warden up there? But but it, the truth is, is Hennepin County's got some beautiful resource uh, in the west part of the county, and obviously it has a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So you did have a lot of things to do, a lot of good fishing lakes, yep. and s- there was still some hunting. I, I would guess it's probably dwindling now but um it it was a very busy place and a good place to start Mm -hmm. um and then i went to owatonna from uh, 96 to 03 and then i came back to winona in 03 and i was here for about 20 years yeah yeah Yeah. well i'm sure you learned a lot i did yeah 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 it you know those three areas are very different and it's a it's a learning curve for all three of them Yeah. yeah And I, I suppose some of that goes with, you know, di- learning different spots too. So when you have time off, you know, you know, Hey, you know, I've been checking this area and it seems like, you know, even driving around, I mean, just before we started recording, you said yeah. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, uncommon for you to put 30,000 miles on a truck a year. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a lot. That's burning some rubber. Yeah. The wheels were turning, yeah. you know, and, and it, it, I would love to say it was just uh, rural patrol, but but a lot of it was also, you know, it would feel like, of course, I'd be in Dresback checking duck hunters and I'd get a call in Altura or St. Charles, you know, and, you know, so you do you do uh, chase a little bit mm-hmm. also on taking care of complaints and, and calls. Yeah. How do you think, so you said you, you worked Hennepin County, Owatonna. Yeah. In this area. And that's, you know, like you said, over 33 years, how have you seen your job or your previous job? How have you seen that change over the 33 years? Yeah, you know, it it definitely did change. Um, Probably the biggest thing was uh, going from more of the traditional game warden duties, the hunting and fishing stuff to other things. Things like recreation, you know, uh, recreation continue the numbers of people recreating uh, in the boating, ATVs, snowmobiles. Um, what am I forgetting? Boating, ATVs, snowmobiles. Uh, recreation in general um, has increased a lot. So we were expected to spend more time with that. Other mm-hmm. things that people maybe don't realize that that are time-consuming are things like uh, the wetlands protections, you know, making sure people aren't filling or draining wetlands, okay. uh, making sure they're not... Uh, um, 
uh, altering the, the state waters, you know, so somebody doesn't go down and, and dig a hole in their, in their trout stream because they'd want a swimming pool mm-hmm. or, you know, a kid's a place for the kids to, uh, swim, mm-hmm. but yet that warms the crick and, and the, you know, the trout can't survive. So it's, you know, things like that, that you also spent a lot of time with those, those, that was probably the biggest change is the traditional hunting and fishing to the, to the different, uh, duties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course, at the end, uh, of my career, which is uh, since the last few years, you know, we also took on the role of uh, helping with uh, uh, crowd or, or riot type things. Sure. And just because they needed numbers of people, and and that definitely was a was a change from the traditional game wardening things. Yeah, yeah. If if listeners remember, I mean, just two one or two years ago, I mean, yeah. up in the, in Minneapolis, I mean that dang near all of Minneapolis seemed like it was on fire right just from people you know out in the streets you know setting cars on fire and breaking into buildings I'm sure yeah yeah it was pretty much all hands on deck at that point it was and and we had there was a pipeline going to be coming through the state so we had just been trained in the mobile response team type thing um as as the the rioting began in in 2020 and so it was only made sense that we got thrown up there mm-hmm. and we were up there for for a couple of weeks initially and then several times after that which again which wasn't something i had expected to do or planned to do and i i do remember myself being wide-eyed looking at the all the things going on but i i think we had very good training in it and I, and I think we did a good job in it yeah i mean because after all i mean you are a law enforcement officer sure. so i yeah. mean yeah you when they need help you, you know those guys up there needed help right you know? so you had to help them out yeah, you know, and that's probably the best way to explain it. We are law, we, they, Minnesota <laughs> conservation officers are, are law enforcement officers, but their emphasis should be on hunting and fishing and recreation. You know, yeah. that if I was working in Winona and I was running radar on Highway 61, I would like to think my supervisor would say, don't do that. You got a, a river and a lakes and, and uh, a bunch of rural area, go patrol that. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, uh, conservation officers are law enforcement officers, but they should be, we should be, they should be um, uh, concentrating on fishing game and recreation are the main yep. things. Yep. To- yeah, it's funny, to, it's funny to listen to you here, you know, talk about we. I mean, it, it, yeah. You just did retire in June, sure. and that's pretty fresh. So yeah. anybody yeah. listening, you know, Tom is retired. He doesn't. He's, yeah. he's he, and enjoying his retirement. It sounds like so, I am. Yeah. yeah. So he. It's funny to listen to you talk about that. But <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's cool. I I would imagine too over your career that technology has has changed drastically. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. 30 years ago, you know, I remember I got my first cell phone when I was 14 years old and it was, I mean, it looked like this audio recorder. It was huge. It had one small little screen and now you can, you know, talk with somebody over in London. You know, I talked to my sister over in London, just FaceTimed her, you know, and I would imagine that technology, even something as simple as a cell phone has changed. Oh my goodness. Changed your game, you know, back crazy amounts. When I think of my first first patrol vehicle you know and it was a car of a 1990 caprice with a radio in it that you could almost yell out the window and and be as effective as that radio was <laughs> you know both both to the dispatch and to other officers you just you just had very poor communication 
But if they could communicate to you and give you a call, you would have to go find a phone booth and use your credit card and call the person, you know, uh, about the complaint from the phone booth and, no and work that out. Yeah. So oh that, yeah, things had changed quite a bit. And then well, when I retired, you know, you had the computer in the truck that you felt like you could learn an awful lot about a person or, or a situation. Um, and, and yeah, same thing. You know, I could talk on the radio to anybody anywhere in the state yep. and, and crystal clear dispatch. So yeah, that definitely changed. And, you know, at, at the end I had, we had, we had the body camera, we had a, uh, our, our life, life preserver, of course, was the, the inflatable kind, you know, and, and uh, I don't know what, there was a day where I had all these electronics hanging off of me, and it was like, wow, things have sure changed, you know, since yep. in 30 years. That's yeah. no wonder you didn't electrocute yourself. Well, yeah, it almost <laughs> looked like an electrical hazard on my, <laughs> on my body, yeah. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, you talked a little bit about your computer, too, and you can learn so much about somebody, you yeah. know, and I'm sure there were times where you, you know, knew more than, you know, just based on with your computer programming, you knew a lot yeah. about that person before you even walked up to them. Um, how should, you know, how should somebody behave when they're getting checked by a, a game warden? Because, you know, I, I remember fishing with my Uncle Charlie and you came up and fished, you know, checked us while we were yeah. fishing and... Um, you know, it, it obviously went fine. Um, but how, I'm sure not every scenario went that way, but, yeah. um, how should somebody behave if they are, if they, if a game worm does approach them? You know, I guess the thing that, that pops to my mind, in my mind is, is the safety thing and, and to, to not let yourself get uh, nervous or excited. And, and especially if it's a hunting check is, is the number one thing is where's that gun barrel pointed and, and then, you know, when people sometimes see the game warden, maybe they've never been checked or uh, maybe it's been a long time, so they get a little bit nervous. <clears throat> and maybe it's something as simple as, gosh, did I buy a pheasant stamp? Now that I think about it, I was going to, and did I actually, you know, so your mind is spinning to make sure, gosh, I hope I'm doing things right. I think it opened today. I, yeah. I hope it was the opening of, of today. And, you know, so they're thinking about a million different things. And the, the, the main thing to be thinking about is where's my gun barrel pointed? You sure. know, and, and uh, yeah, it's easy to get distracted. Yeah. yeah. And not only that I worried about myself swinging that gun barrel by myself, and I'm, I definitely was vocal enough to, to let somebody know, you know, to, to watch that, but the people around them too, to always be thinking about where's my gun barrel pointed and while I'm digging in my pocket or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, so that would probably be the number one thing that, that pops into mind. Uh, but usually I, I would think the officer is going to, you know, be communicating what, what to do and not do. So, you know, I think as long as you pay attention and, and listen, mm -hmm. uh, you get through the check pretty, pretty simple. Okay. Yeah. So just, yeah, play it cool, you know, listen to the officer. Yeah. Um, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row and, you know, as far as licenses and things yep. like, and safety. And, yep. um, I mean, just as an outdoorsman who, who hunts and fishes and, you know, I duck hunt, pheasant hunt, deer hunt. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to remember and turkey hunt. I mean, there's a lot to remember, but yeah, just, uh, making, being prepared as an outdoorsman to go out there and make yep. sure all your ducks in a row and do your research. And, you know, it's not, it's not overly complicated. I think, I feel like the, the state does a pretty good job at, at their regulations and making spelling it out really easily in their yeah. booklets and stuff like that. But good. Yeah. Um, 
I guess uh, what that being said, you know, there's a lot to remember. What are some of the most, in your experiences, what were some of the most commonly overlooked regulations or what, yeah. what did, what seemed to slip people's mind the most? You know, it would be fun to go back and, and see a, a spreadsheet of, of violations for my 33 years. And my guess would be are simple things like licenses. You know, people w- often forget to have it with them and you can work through that. You should have it with you, but we can work through it if you, if you forgot it in your truck or in a different pair of pants or at the house or whatever. But then they also have people that just simply didn't get one, and, and there's 101 reasons for it. And, and not too often does somebody just say, gosh, I didn't buy one because I was taking a chance, <laughs> and I didn't think you'd catch me. You know, So you got to kind of try to read through, is, is this person, is it... Uh, you know, did they buy one the last 28 years and, and this year, you know, maybe they were out of town or in the hospital or whatever. And there, there are some probably some reasons that people would forget. Um, and then you, you do have people that just simply, you know, gosh, I'm visiting my uncle. Uh, I'm from from uh, Wisconsin and I'm visiting my uncle in Minnesota for for a couple days and we're only going to fish for two hours. What are the chances of getting checked? My uncle's never been checked. And roll the dice. Um, and then also think ahead of time enough to have a story that I'm going to tell the game warden if he, if he does ask me. Sure. You know, so you do have some of that. But I, I would say that was probably the number one thing was, is people hunting, fishing without licenses. Okay. Probably. Gotcha. Yeah. And then simple, simple little things. Or I say little, but they can turn into big is things like not having your life jackets in the boat mm-hmm. or you know not even not having a, a throwable life jacket mm-hmm. where it's needed or having your life jackets accessible you know it's not going to do you any good if the boat's sinking and you've got you know your life jackets locked in a container mm-hmm. or worse yet in the truck you know and, and you, you'd see that more often than than I guess I would like to mm-hmm. I don't think People left home thinking, "Gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go today without a life jacket." But again, being prepared and, and having that safety equipment, yeah. Yep. Any any little <clears throat> things like you know somebody forgot a trout stamp or yeah walk in access per, you know permit that three dollar little permit anything sure. I mean, I'm sure that probably came up from time to time. It did, and you know what's something that always kind of um, was was a tough situation to work through is somebody say from that's not a hunter uh, comes to uh, a good example might be Rochester goose hunting. Their brother-in-law is going to take them goose hunting it in a pit in Rochester. And they go to Walmart and tell the, the clerk, gosh, I'm going to go goose hunting tomorrow. Give me what I need. Mm-hmm. And the clerk's not a hunter or d- doesn't know what they need. And they, then they come up with a hunting license and maybe forget the federal stamp or forget the, uh, special goose license or, or something like that. Those were always tough things to try to work through. Sure. Yeah. But it, but it happened quite often, you know, where, where the person that was hunting or fishing just asked them to give me what I need and not tell them specifically what they, what they needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your experiences, do you feel <clears throat> like the, I get <laughs> the punishment fit the crime or, you know, the penalties, yeah. do you feel like that fit the, fit the the violators well you know i i think 
I suppose as, you got to use your better judgment. To, as a game warden, or probably you know, you as a sportsman, and you see somebody uh, poach a deer off off property that that you're hunting, you know, gosh, you want to see that person, you know, penalized right. severely. Yeah. And and I think as a game warden, you know, when we would catch people, you know, you you do want to see them. You want to see consequences. Um, but overall, I th- I think Minnesota does pretty good with with punishment and and penalties that go with fishing game. You know, uh, it varies quite a bit from mm-hmm. the from the gross misdemeanors of of shining and and shooting a deer to not having a uh, registration displayed on your on your ATVs. You know, it, it, you know it could be many many uh, much different. Um, but with hunting and fishing, the, the, all the, the, the additional thing that can go with it is you lose that critter. You know, if I, if I shot a deer out the window of my car, um, I'm probably going to not be able to keep that, that uh, deer. Mm-hmm. And depending on, again, the circumstances, you could lose things like the guns that were used to take the over-limit of ducks or, or the, the car that was used to, to chase down the the wolf or, or mm-hmm. deer, you know, so there, I, I think Minnesota does pretty well mm-hmm. on, on penalties. We're not like uh, the Western states where they're actually, I, I believe, felonies, you know, to, to have a elk violation. Uh, I, I can't think of any fish and game violation in Minnesota. That's a felony, but there's but gross misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it seems like you know the, the honest mistake. The the brother-in-law who went is going to go to Rochester and hunt goose pits. You know he's yeah. got his he's got a state stamp and his small game, but and his federal. But he may have just forgot that goose permit. Yep. I mean that seems like an honest mistake. Sure. Whereas somebody who, like you said, outshine a deer, shot yeah. one after dark. Yeah. There's a little bit of a difference. I mean that guy or gal knew what they were doing. You know, yeah. and knew that it was bad. Right. Versus the other guy who's, you know, he had. 90% of the things, right? Yep. He just was unfamiliar and overlooked that 10%. Yeah, those are tough situations. And, and uh, you know, I think it's nice if the game wardens that are dealing with that maybe have hunted and fished a little bit themselves and know mm-hmm. how things can happen. Now, you know, on the on the other hand, to, to help sort those out. But on the other hand, you know, I check, I go up and, and to Rochester and check 100 goose hunters in the morning and the other 99 had that that federal stamp mm-hmm. you know so do you you know do you hold that person accountable for not buying that I, I i don't know those are those are things that like i said no two situations were the same and you'd have to work through them mm-hmm. maybe chat a little bit about their history or you know fortunately at the end you could look up their their license purchase history you know so if if uh, you bought a license the last 37 years and well, here's a good example for the for the A deer season, and and you're giving me a B deer season license. Um, you know, maybe there was a, a miscommunication between you and the clerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Gotcha. Or on the other hand, maybe you know, maybe you've been buying hunt. a B season right. all along, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally yeah. got finally got caught. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly right. Gotcha. <clears throat> so, are you know you're talking a little bit about and i'm sure you know all your experiences ranged from you know the simple 
kept one you know crappie over my limit to yeah maybe there were some scenarios where it was a little more than you know more severe than that do you have any stories or any experiences where there was like a you know a, a poacher that was a chronic poacher who you know yeah. any stories like that that you you can share I do. I've got about a hundred, but I probably <laughs> got to be very careful. Uh, you know, I guess one that just and 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 uh, it might just because it's recent and and uh, is in is in my mind. But not too many years ago, I had a, a situation where somebody um, I got some information that somebody had lent and borrowed uh, a, a tag from from a family member, <clears throat> and in follow up to that we ended up finding a second deer that this family member had also uh lend and borrowed a tag and we we talked to that person and you know what what started a very small complaint and small investigation uh one of the people i was talking to surprisingly gave me a bunch a bunch more information about shooting deer at night with with rifles and it ended up so I talked to some more people and some more people and ended up being, uh, there was over 10 people and over a three, it just could charge back three years. We had like 120 some different violations with, with deer shot all over the, the three County area here. Wow. Yeah. And, it, and what was crazy about it is it was almost all, yeah, I think it was all night hunting stuff, but they were shooting deer within a hundred yards of, of people's homes. Cause I ended up getting a cooperator of the, of the group that took me back around and, and we found some deer carcasses and some signs that were shot and mm-hmm. some things like that. Um, and it was just eye opening to me to see how brazen they were with where they were shooting deer, you know, on, on a County road within a hundred yards of somebody's house, they would, they would, shoot a deer and sometimes go get it and sometimes not hmm. <clears throat> yeah and just learning about you know I, it, it's intriguing to me and you know some of those like true crime you know things are kind yeah. of shows on netflix and stuff like that are kind of intriguing to me but just to get inside you know in, in documentaries like that they'll kind of get into the mind of you know like a serial killer or something sure. like that but even getting in the mind of a chronic poacher you know yeah. they're not too dissimilar and to to see how careless that they really are and you know in some instances it's it, it is intriguing to me yeah. you know how why why can somebody you know think that that's okay and that you know they justify that with themselves and yeah. and you know try to get away with it, it it's it's interesting the, this one was that this incident that i'm thinking of and there was many of them like that where you know this was well, again i only could go back three years but they their mischief went back many years and they started out maybe just maybe coming home from deer hunting and saw a deer and shot it and, and gosh, looked around and, you know, nobody saw it. That worked. Let's try that again. And, and then it just kept escalating to more people mm-hmm. and more, more brazen with what they were doing. And yeah, it was eye-opening for me. And it was, it was disappointing and, and uh, almost uh, embarrassing to see how many deer they had shot and and I had received one phone call on it and it happened to be New Year's Eve night somebody had found a spot where somebody had shot a deer uh, and he found the blood splat on his property he found where they dragged it out and where they'd picked it up and there was actually a cigarette butt left where he was where the person was waiting 
for the car to pick them up. And this was, uh, so when I opened this can of worms and started talking about this, that happened to be in that same area where I'd remembered that complaint and ended up following up on it. And sure enough, they had shot that deer that night also this hmm. group of of this 10 had shot that deer and we were actually able to to prove it so yeah it is funny i i think it's it's more more uh they just it, nobody was calling on them nobody was checking them and it just just snowballed mm-hmm. yeah yeah hmm. interesting that yeah. is interesting that was um yeah that uh, that's crazy uh like I said, just to get in that person's mind would be, you know, just to yeah. have a shrink and, you know, see what they can come up with would be would be yeah. really intriguing. But, yeah, yeah, it seems like they feel that they can live above the law and get away with it. And it, like sure. you said, snowballs and snowballs. And next yep. thing you know, it's just out of control. But yep. hmm. And, you know, they, they it wasn't like, especially a majority of these people, it wasn't the, the only thing they were doing wrong either. Sure. I mean, they had a, a criminal record and also, yeah. 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 Yep. Just a recipe disaster. Yeah. Well, one question, you know, I wanted to, wanted to ask you, and this is something that I've, a question that I've wanted answered my whole life as a fisherman. Yeah. Why is it in Minnesota that our fishing licenses expire in the end of February and not on the first of the year? Because it seems yeah. to me, you know, as a fisherman, you know, the first of the year just seems, you know, you roll the calendar over. It's a new year. You know, it just seems like why, you know, I, and down here, especially, and then I maybe mean, yeah. we'll get to this, but you know, on the river, you can fish year round, you know, right. you can ice fish, you can yeah. go out and smallmouth fish, you can go out and walk, catch walleyes. So, and maybe down here is a little bit different than the rest of the state, but it just seems like, you know, January 1st would be a great time for me to remember, Oh, I need to buy my new license instead yeah. of the following year in February. Why, why do you think that is, or do you have any? I'm guessing, but I, th- I think what it is is the, the Minnesota's transition from ice fishing to open water fishing generally is at the end of February. Okay. So inland fishing ends, I think it's the last weekend of, of uh, February uh, for you know, for ice fishing. So when people get ready to go back out in the spring, they, they go buy their license. I think that's where it came from. Now, there was a time period where they tried, where the state tried January 1st, and it really was no different. People still were forgetting, and, and I'm I'm kind of a black and white. To me, that'd be a nice cutoff also. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it didn't make any difference. The few years that they tried that, there still were people that were forgetting just as much as as uh, when it was at the end of February, you know. And and somebody like myself has always it, it was bef- uh, the end of February, and and uh, to me that seems like a logical time now. I don't know why. I've just lived and learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I that would be my guess is the okay. transition gotcha. from from ice. To, to open water yeah. and we don't have that nice tidy transition in on the river we have an open year-round season and sometimes people have their boats out in january and sometimes oh, yeah. they have them out in, in february and you know yeah sometimes yeah. it might be march or april yeah so yeah i guess uh we'll we'll just have to think of it as a, a seasonal re- yeah. reminder instead of a calendar you know calendar numbers reminder so right yeah yeah makes sense and yeah i've i've always been on time and you know remembered oh yeah you know you, 
since it is a, an odd time, I, I feel like I try to check it more, you yeah. know, like just to be sure, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, one thing, this is a question I ask all my guests is, can you tell me about a time when you were outdoors when time was standing still? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess uh, if I'm to think of a time that was uh, very special, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing we want to talk about hunting. I, I had the opportunity to this um, elk hunting buddy of mine has a, a special needs daughter. Matter of fact, on my coffee mug oh, is, yeah. is, a, is a picture of, of uh, Tyler and his daughter, Erica. And we got to take, he got set it up um, to be able to take her on an elk hunt in Wyoming, a, a special needs hunt. And uh, Tyler had set up this whole uh, contraption to be able to put a gun into, and we used it for turkey hunting for her first. And then we were able to use the same, the same uh, contraption for, for this elk hunt. Put the rifle in the in the uh, uh, base and put a cell phone on the um, scope, mm-hmm. so Eric uh, Erica's her name could see the cell phone and can see where the gun is pointed, and then we can move the gun around. And when the when the scope or the crosshairs is on the target, she hits a trigger or hits a actually a light switch, and then I or the, another person has a light switch. So you have to hit them two at the same time, and that'll pull the trigger, and the gun will go off in the in the uh, brace and we were able to make it work for elk hunting in Wyoming which is I would have never thought we would be able to, to pull it off you know I, I thought we'd have a fun hunt but never thought we would kill an elk right and Erica killed an elk and here's what happened a herd of elk came through and the fir- we were going to shoot the first uh, bullet that came through and uh First, they came through. We got everything lined up, and we're, and it's Erica. What, what are you doing? Why aren't you ready? What's going on? Well, she didn't have her earmuffs on. Okay. She, by God, was not going to um, hit that trigger without earmuffs on. That's smart. It is yeah. smart. <laughs> so we're scrambling, trying to get the earmuffs on as the as the herd's coming through, and it, it's taking what seems like minutes. It's probably seconds. Um, and then there was some confusion with the with the earmuffs. One of them, something was was messed up. So we ended up getting things squared away. She was able to see the, the phone, able to get the, the rifle on the on the elk and was able to, to make it work and, and killed it. And then the frosting on the cake was, it had rolled down the hill to where we could actually take a motor vehicle right to it. So Erica could be the first one to put her hands on it. So awesome. we could drive to it, put her in a wheelchair, get her out and and take her to this to the spot. So that's cool. It was. It was a, I, if you'd have told me that it was going to, we'd be able to do that, I would have never believed it in a million years. So it was a, a once yeah. in a lifetime. Sounds like a lot of logistics, but worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Worth the trouble. Yeah. Wonderful experience. Cool. Yeah. By far the coolest hunting experience I've ever had or will ever have, I would guess. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I got one more thing here. This is my, my this or that section. And yeah. I didn't tell you about any of these questions and I never do. But it's a series of 10 questions with two options. Um, after this, we'll wind it up and, and we'll go our separate ways. But um, uh, but first, we got 10 questions, two options, and um, I'll just spout them off. And you, at the time, tell me whichever you think is cooler. You don't have to, you don't have to explain yourself, but if you want to, that's just fine. Sure. All right. All righty. 
So question one, ducks or pheasants? Pheasants. All right. Would you rather, uh, now you're retired now, but did you prefer enforcing hunting or fishing? Hunting. Okay. Would you rather take a road trip or go on a local hunt? While working, it would be a road trip to, to be able to be free, but now probably probably local. That okay. way I can sleep in my bed and be home. Yeah. And what about country or rock and roll? Country. All right. <laughs> now you're hunting pheasants. Do you prefer a 12-gauge or a 16-gauge? Gosh, you know, I don't know that I've ever shot a 16-gauge, so i got to stick with 12. I do have a, a 20 and, and 12, but I, okay. I think I'd stick with 12. How do you like shooting your 20? Um, You know, I... I definitely get a sick feeling to lose a pheasant just like anything else yep so i i kind of lean towards the 12 sure the 20 sure nice to carry oh yeah but uh i i've i would rather kill one than than lose it and yep. your chances of losing it are a little better with a 20 so. yeah you're not shooting as many pellets yep yeah that yep. makes sense now f- pheasant curry or pheasant nachos <laughs> Uh, I'm probably more of a nachos person. All right. Sounds good. Now, pheasant, if you had, if you had one week to hunt, yeah. your vacation schedule only allows you one week and yeah. you can only take one week off. Would you rather go pheasant hunting in October or January? I'd have to say January. All right. Fixed blade or mechanical broadhead? Fixed. Okay. And car- your carry sidearm, did you carry a Glock or a SIG? Glock. All right. Yeah. Now... For dogs, for pheasant hunting, do you prefer a flusher or a pointer? I've always had flushers. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. Your next pup? Flusher. Flusher. Yeah. All right. Yep. Good deal. Well, Tom, thanks for joining me here. It's been fun. I've learned a lot again. Um, I wish you the best of luck this coming fall and all your travels. So to take it easy. All right. Thank you. Thank you.